1: And welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? uh Good, good, Shad. I'm doing well. I am glad to hear it, and I'm glad that whoever's listening to this episode is listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us for this one. We'll get our shout outs taken care of right here at the beginning. First one goes to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, Collar and Elbow Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four. Capital C Corners, capital and podcast to save 10% off your order. Other shout-out, folks in Eastern Kentucky could still use your help. You know why? Because, well, frankly, nobody outside the area really is. Um, so if you would be willing to help out good folks who got hit by a once-in-a-century storm that I used to wrestle in front of, um, appalshop.org. That's the Apple shop. They'll make sure any donations get to where they need to go to help the people that need it. And with all that out of the way, we go over to Matt. Uh,
2: that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, uh, the rumors are apparently true. People are saying that Carlito has actually re-signed with the WWE, which is interesting. Wow. I, ha- I thought they had like a hiring freeze. But uh, not that I want people to go back, go to the Fed, because I'm not really that big on that company right now. But, uh, you know, why can't you uh, why can't you re-sign Orlando Cologne uh, I think that he'd be a good value. You could have him be part of the uh, the LWO. Uh, but we'll see. Why? Why did, why did Carlito sign? Because, I mean... I
0: mean, why did they sign him? I mean, if if I were him, I'd sign because it's easy money, and you know they're going to forget about you in two weeks, and you're just going to make money <laughs> he to got a,
2: it, on... He got, like, a big pop uh, at the pay-per-view they did recently where he came out uh, in Bad Bunny's corner... Yeah. Yeah. But it, that
0: was in like that was in his f- fucking like hometown, mm-hmm. you know, where people yeah. tend to get pops when you don't job them every time.
1: I think it also helps tying him in with the LWO to really um, kind of uh, give a little more juice to expanding it with the big reaction they got.
0: Yeah, but that's so, my OK. So I have a I have a, I have a slight issue there. Is um, it's the typical thing that they do because, you know, the LWO tends to be guys from Mexico and he's from Puerto Rico. So, I mean, it's not really like the same thing. He's not even like Puerto Rico is not even like a Lucha territory. It's kind of like a blood and guts style territory. But I mean, I get why he did it, because they're going to forget about you in three weeks and then you get to make money for doing nothing. So, I mean, I would do it if I were him. Mm
1: uh-huh. hmm. I th- think that it's more hey that was a big pop we could use that coming back and they don't think about the difference between folks from Mexico and folks from Puerto Rico and folks from other other areas too but whatever.
0: I know, but it's like it's it's his hometown, well you know his home area. They know him and how many like guys from Puerto Rico were they getting to see on that show. It's like it's like you know um drew mcintyre when they went to like the uk
1: well they expected that in the uk i'm not sure they expected it for carlito for reasons passing my understanding
0: i i mean okay i'm just gobsmacked by that the fact that they probably were surprised by that
1: yeah i well how can i phrase this He's a I fucking doubt.
0: cologne. Like, how could right. they be surprised by that? No, I mean I I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just like you've you've literally like broken my <laughs> my brain with the fact that they're that stupid.
1: I don't think Triple H would have been surprised, but I think Vince would have been.
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs>
1: anyway. Anyway, um we are not Really talking about the E tonight, though, Um, we 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 have kind of a grab bag episode that is not a bag of holding, Um, you know, hitting a few different things for a few different reactions. And uh, well, Brad, why don't you set us up? What are we talking about?
0: So we're actually treading into um, some territory we have not gone into much. We are going for two thirds of this episode. We are going into the 70s. So we pulled uh, three matches this week. So for the first match, we are going to All Japan in 1975 uh, for a personal favorite of mine, The Destroyer versus Don Leo Jonathan. Then we're going a couple years forward to 1977 and Greg Valentine versus Wahoo McDaniel. And then we are jumping forward to 1985 for another like um, sentimental favorite of mine. And that's Tully Blanchard and Terry Taylor.
1: All right, so that is an array of names that may not spring to the foremind of a lot of people, and that's and, okay.
0: And they're all, like, every single one of the guys in these matches are all-timers in their own rights.
1: They, yes, they, they. Um, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? They earn their stripes um, in, in terms of being considered as as important figures.
0: So I would argue I would argue the destroyer is like should be in I mean he's not the goat, but he should be like in that roundabout conversation of like an all time like elite level talent.
2: I have uh I always heard about him, uh, but I can't say I've seen too many of his matches, maybe like a couple. But I'd always heard really good things about him. And he was uh, always an interesting character i guess the last several years he even did like an autobiography mm-hmm. which i think is on amazon so i think it's like yeah. easily uh, acceptable uh but i again had not really seen a lot of his stuff but he had like a long career and i think his biggest claim to fame wasn't it that he he wrestled the match against Ricky dozen
0: mm-hmm. yeah. way
2: way way back in the day and like 59 i, mean, now, I think maybe yeah, nowadays, obviously, things are different. Things were bigger back in the day because, like, you you didn't have that many options. Nowadays, everyone has, like, a thousand options to choose from. Uh, but back in the day, he pulled, like, some sort of massive rating.
1: Yeah, listen uh, to
2: this because I've got it from,
1: from uh, Pro Wrestling Fandom Wiki right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, uh, in 63... He wrestled three sold-out matches against Giant Baba in the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles. And then he traveled to Japan to wrestle Ricky Dozen in a match watched by – and I am reading this directly off the page – 70 – that's 70 million TV viewers.
0: Hmm. Jesus Christ.
2: Right? That – if that's legitimate, which it's like that – I don't think they're really – this is kind of the days before like – where Vince McMahon would dramatically yeah. kayfabe numbers. <laughs> uh, I mean, they may have kayfabe numbers back then, but if it's even close to being accurate, that may, in theory, be like the most watched wrestling match of all time. Even though people don't, uh, you know, watch it today nowadays or talk about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would depend because I don't know like what those like 1950s like Dumont Network matches like pulled ratings wise.
1: I don't know, but he went and worked worked a match with the father of Puerto Resu and gee, oh. and then right after, in the the next year, uh, he beat Dick the Bruiser for the WWA heavyweight title.
0: So he briefly held the AWA world title as uh, Mister X. Well, no, wait, he was. He was either he was Doctor Dr. X. X. Yeah, Doctor yeah. X. He he briefly held the the AWA World Title.
2: Uh, wasn't he also Mass Superstar?
0: No, that's Bill Eadie.
2: Oh, but I thought that he uh kind of went by the Mass Superstar too.
0: I'm not sure. I'd have to look. I think he's mostly been the Destroyer.
2: Well, yeah, mostly that was like his gimmick. Uh. Mm. Look it up.
1: Ring name said that it was Bruce Marshall, Dick Bayer, The Destroyer, Dr. X, Original Destroyer, and Super Destroyer. Okay. So apparently he played in the Orange Bowl in the 50s, had a master's degree in education, was an Eagle Scout, and a teacher and swimming coach before he got into wrestling. Like, the guy was smart.
0: He taught and after he finished wrestling, too. For
1: Did he really? Mm-hmm. His career, if this is to be believed, it, his debut was uh, at the end of 1954 and he retired in 1993.
0: I think it was one of those things where he came back and he like wrestled like once like or twice. Like a handful. Yeah. Okay.
1: Let me see. Um, Semi retirement in 84. And then from 84 to 95, he taught Phys Ed in
2: Akron, New York. His uh his build, uh stats, were five foot ten, two hundred forty two pounds. Mm-hmm. But if especially in this match, if you like were to look at this guy, like he's built like a like a fireplug. He's just mm-hmm. he's kind of short, which five ten is not like particularly short. I
0: mean he's like, but I, it's I'm just a little high.
2: bit. I'm I'm a little bit taller than that. I'm not that much taller than that. I'm just only a little bit taller than that. Like by an inch or two, and five, so five five ten's like you know average height. It's hard uh, to tell and,
0: though, cause he was in there with a fucking ogre. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, but 5'10, two forty two, like he had some good size to him. Not like oh, he was he's a he's, monster. He, I thought, but, I mean, he's
0: deceptively big.
2: Yeah, it, it's like, like when I say fire plug, it's uh, or it's uh, in truth, it's like that's how he is, like a fire hydrant. It's like you, he looked like stocky. And yeah. like he had, he had muscles, I'm not saying he had muscles, but it's like he looked like he looked solid. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Like he, he he even though he wasn't a big man, it's not like you're wrestling big fan Vader. He he did seem to me that if you like would run the ropes and do the whole like crash into him thing, like it would probably hurt. Like he looks he looked kind of a thick boy. Yeah. Yeah. I have again I wanna watch more of him because like given his stats and everything that he he did in his career, it's like he really should get a be hyped up more than he is, and I think I have to imagine it's because like there just doesn't seem to be a lot of footage out there.
0: Yeah, so there's people... there's quite a bit now. If you go um especially like all Japan and um like JWA, a
2: mm-hmm. lot of that
0: stuff's out there and there's a lot of footage of him and that stuff.
2: I see. He's kind of I one just... of
0: those guys where the like as they found footage as the yachts progressed, like he's gotten more hype. Now, in fairness, uh, Meltzer did have him in the Hall of Fame in '96,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so um, it's not like he was a total forgotten entity. But there, there's quite a there's a there's a good smattering of his matches that you can get, especially if you get into like um, those all Japan classics uh, shows. He's on there mm-hmm. a lot.
1: I see. It's, it's kind of a um he the his stuff wasn't widely available when the current like zeitgeist of all timers was being yeah. built. So
0: He when that's... the narratives were being built there wasn't a lot of him. Also that Ricky Dozen match is on YouTube, I'm fairly sure.
1: Okay. Mm. Well I'm gonna look that up right now then.
0: Now there is also um and I highly recommend it, there's him commentating a match of him wrestling a bear. Um, and he's doing the commentary And he's bitching at the end because the bear Gets a coke for winning but the bear Got like dq and he's like, he's like Or no he, there is a DQ or something he's like No that bear shouldn't get a coke it cheated <laughs> <laughs> But yeah that's on YouTube too because it used to be on His website back in the day but his commentary Is pretty pretty funny
1: Yeah Ricky Dozen, the Destroyer twelve two, nineteen It is 35
2: minutes
0: it's, I feel like I might be two heard, out of three falls. I it heard an,
2: an interview once with uh, with Destroyer, you know, at Dick Byer. I yeah, his real name. I, I think I can't recall if it was like Jericho's podcast or Austin's podcast. And this is years ago, so it's not like a, a recent one. I can't remember who it was, but uh, his stories were interesting. He he had a lot of like like old man voice and old man like the way he. he I guess I'm, I'm a, being ageist here, but like sometimes with older people, especially older wrestlers and stuff, they'll like, I'll you know, get lost in telling their stories and start meandering a bit, mm-hmm. and so the, it, it's on the host to kind of like steer them back. Yeah. Uh, but I remember like listening to his like old stories, and it I found it interesting. He like, used to, it, um,
0: when Phil uh, Singer Games did their um, conventions in New York. Before it mm-hmm. moved around, he would pop into a bunch of those and hang out and like tell stories and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, he is facing a guy here that I'd heard you talk about a lot, Brad. But I I had never actually seen one of his matches, and I found it interesting.
0: I feel like I feel like if this was your first exposure to uh. One Don Leo Jonathan, and you've heard tell of what he was capable of. You would not have been disappointed.
2: I didn't know what to expect. I, I knew that he had the nickname of uh, the Mormon Giant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess he really was Mormon. I don't know, or maybe he's just like from that area. But I, so that's all I heard. Like I knew of the name. I heard you talk about it before. I knew like his nickname, but I didn't really know anything about him. And then I saw him, and it's like. I mean obviously the style is different uh and his heyday was like much earlier cuz like this Smash is what this what
0: what year is Smash 75 so he's like 45
2: Yeah so he's older at this point Well they're like, both
0: in their mid 40s and I have to say yeah. they're both super light on their feet for
2: They're I I was going to say like they're both ridiculously athletic for the age
0: And this is 70s uh, 40 this is not like today's 40s this is like 1970s 40s so it's
2: yeah <clears throat> yeah they're they're both like ridiculously athletic in terms of like i mean they're not doing that like young buck style like let me do a melter driver off the ropes type of thing but they're both they are like you said light on their feet and thinking about don i, I think don leo jonathan like calling him an ogre is kind of like a, a good <laughs> descriptor he has size to him i guess mm-hmm. he's real life or how he's billed, either one. He was like six four, six five, six six. He was he's tall. Uh and big, like three hundred bills. Like you know, if he He's got a it, he's got a and
0: very, um very charismatic. hmm Because like there was no promos or anything on this. But the way he wrestled and like his mannerisms and stuff, you're kinda like, Oh, I kind of I'm getting the beats of like what his character is.
1: Mm-hmm. It's one thing that if you're going to hunt this down, you really do need to keep in mind is that the, the charisma is there, but it for folks who have not watched a lot of older stuff or have only watched a lot of contemporary stuff, it's very different from what you might be expecting.
0: Yeah. Cause um, I would say wrestling as you know, it isn't really there until about 85.
1: Right. And this this match is interesting because what i saw in watching this match was one of those things where it's that the the old stereotype where you'd have some people go well you know wrestling's fixed but them title matches ain't and you, you had a title match like this people would be buying into it because Look, I don't know about you guys, but I've had to put up with a lot of shoot headlocks in my time, and they're frustrating, and it's irritating, and the big guy does like to pick you up and move you with it and that sort of thing. So it is a fitting, quote-unquote realistic way of looking at it in the same way that if you're watching UFC today, it's very much a gamed rules style um, this is, this would, I would probably consider it kind of the same mindset.
0: Now what I didn't expect, uh, with them in this match, it kind of took me by surprises. They mixed in a little comedy, like subtle comedy with this. Mm. Cause they're kind of doing, they're kind of doing this thing where like Don Leo Jonathan would do some stuff and like destroyer would mimic him N- namely that like, they were doing, um, like an arm spot and Don Leo Jonathan got in the ropes and like flipped out of it, which yeah. looked really cool. And then Destroyer did it and he kind of strutted. And then he got Don Leo Jonathan and a full Nelson. And I don't remember how he, he got out now. He used his height though. He used his height and get out. And so then he got mm-hmm. Destroyer in, uh in a full Nelson destroyer tried to mimic him. Then he realized he was too short. you can just see the look on his face. Like, uh Oh,
1: this is not going how I wanted it to go,
0: but this had a really cool spot too, though. I liked when Don Leo, Jonathan had him in the full Nelson. He would just like pick him up and like swing him around, mm-hmm. like kind of in a big swing with that. Like, Oh, someone should rip that off. Cause that was cool.
1: That was kind of something that Chris masters did a little bit when he used the, um, the full Nelson or the master lock, whatever we want to call it. But it was not, not the same, similar, not the same, I guess. And it was an impressive look to be hanging by. If you've ever been put into a full Nelson, you know how frustrating it is. And then to have the guy just pick you up and swing you around in it. Um, not only is that painful, but it's frustrating because it's just like, damn it, damn it, damn it.
0: Yeah, and then there's a really cool spot. It was probably the highlight of the match. like the big spot of the match. So, Destroyer tries to monkey flip Don Leo Jonathan, and now remember, this guy's like six feet tall, close to 300 mm-hmm. pounds. He lands on his feet and then drop kicks him.
1: It's a... Yeah, it's an impressive little sequence to see. Um... You don't see people like land on their feet out of monkey flips a whole lot now. What it maybe about a third of the time. And it's usually someone like Dante Martin or something like that. Yeah. So Um And then it's, it's impressive spot.
0: Well then I kinda liked at the end, like, the way Destroyer was trying to get him in the figure four. Mm-hmm. like the way he kept trying to pick the leg and go for it. I thought that was an interesting, like a different way of executing that move. Cause it's always mm-hmm. kind of a big hubbub, but it would just be like, he would get Don Leo Jonathan down. He'd just be like, Oh, start like doing the turn to get the, the leg and stuff. And then the, because this is like pre 1990s Japan, um, they both go over the top rope and um, they Destroyers trying to get back in, and Don Leo Jonathan like just kind of plucks him off the end, and they both get counted out. Yeah, which is like a standard ending. Um, so, um, this is a very like like Chad said, if if you're used to modern wrestling, this is gonna be a bit of culture shock. I would say it's an interesting match because they're both very good at what they do, and there's a lot of charisma. So even if it's different, and you're you're not super in by it, I think they don't. They keep it from being boring with their personalities.
2: It's a another. I, I would say it's a good match, but I'm looking at it kind of like with the lens of modern wrestling. Uh, but it's not a bad match. And the best way to put it is like it's in, it's interesting. It's like looking at a, a different era, uh, mm-hmm. and it's also like a different style. But to me, like, the both Don Leo Jonathan and Destroyer were both, like, really compelling, even though it is mostly just, like, uh, headlocks and other stuff like that. But even then, just seeing them, like, kind of trade, like, wear down holes. And it, it even, was...
0: like, when Don Leo Jonathan would just stop after he did something, he'd be like, oh, like, you know, that was good. Like, here, like, you know, let's shake hands real quick because, like, I, I appreciate, you know... As quality, yeah,
1: I'm in the same vein as Matt is I look at this and i I do not think it is bad, but to reach for and this analogy, I admit, is going to be a bit more hyperbole than uh, on point comparison, but it would be like a war historian watching naval battles from. World War Two to World War One. It's like I'm more used to these kinds of movements and that sort of stuff, but I look back at this one and I recognize where it comes from and I recognize what it was and and, you know, the skill involved. So
0: Yeah, and and when we're saying it's a lot of headlocks and stuff, like it's not like you would think it's not like it's not like today, they don't just put on a headlock and dead fish. Like they're always doing stuff.
1: Yes. It's like that – it's not quite the energy level, but that match that Roddy Piper had with –
0: Jack Briscoe.
1: Jack Briscoe that was like 90% headlock. It wasn't quite as frantic a movement because it wasn't Roddy Piper, but they were working it and they were using it. And it wasn't just, oh, I've got a headlock on.
0: And it's obvious these guys are used to working big buildings before – like there are Titan and stuff because mm-hmm. like they emote and they body language like really big.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, they do. It's you know, full well, someone who has been trained to work live crowds as opposed to someone who's been trained to work TV because it does not matter. Even if you're doing something sneaky, you do it big enough that everybody knows what you're doing except the ref and the other guy. Whereas some, if someone was trained, has been trained from the beginning just for TV stuff, they hide everything, and the live crowd's like, I don't know what the hell's going on.
0: Yeah, I think probably contextually for the time it was pretty good.
1: I think that's a fair assumption.
0: So we're gonna we're gonna bounce ahead about two years, and we're gonna go to um, mid Atlantic. So we're going for um. Greg Valentine versus Wahoo McDaniel. Um, So I'm pretty sure based on what we watched, though, Greg Valentine put up $2,000 worth of silver dollars for a title shot. Is that what the angle was?
1: That's what I took it to be. And right there at the beginning, I think it was really more the... Instead of it being the $2,000, like it was the silver dollar thing because it made for a really good visual to have yeah. the stack of coins sitting in this, um, in this bowl. And since it was quote unquote silver dollars, the way it reflected the light and everything, it was, uh, it was a good bit of, um, you know, visual work there. Yeah. So,
0: so this is, um how shall we say, what is this match? This match is, two guys just kind of beating the piss out of each
2: other yeah first off by the way Waho, a real actual native american
0: yes unlike a certain that,
2: italian yeah that fucking ass all jace uh, Jay, uh Jay, joe scarpo
0: uh,
2: yeah <laughs> Strongbow. Ugh. i told you I... worst probably the worst uh worker i've ever seen
0: I there's a quote uh, that that he had about when he became a wrestler. He's like he's like yeah, Jim Barnett called me and said he needed an Indian wrestler. So I guess I'm like a wrestler now.
1: There was I can't remember specifically who it was, but there was somebody who had the story that when Strongbow was an agent. He, he couldn't let anybody come back and – he couldn't let him come back and say, hey, you did a good job with that. He had to have a criticism for everybody, and even if he couldn't up, come up with something, he would come up with the dumbest criticism. He'd say, well, you did pretty good, but your, your heat went on for about 8.3 seconds too long. It's like, how the hell are you going to tell that shit, 8.3 seconds? Well, honky, what the hell are you doing?
0: Honky-tonk, man. And this is the this is one of his dumbest agent ones. Honky Tonk Man said when like the job guys would come in that Strongbow would tell him to put up a fight and not give it to him. And he's like, "Well, holy shit! What do you want me to do? Kill the guy?"
1: Yeah. It's like what 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 is the end game here? Am I supposed to just blister this poor guy who's coming in to? Well, I guess so. I mean, I, Strongbow was trying to justify his existence as an agent. And it was not.
0: Um... And his worst crime of all is he did not pay the gift tax when he gave Tatanka <laughs> that headdress. You Pay your taxes.
2: Uh... <laughs> that's legitimately though a funny angle. Again, I said this before on the podcast. I think uh, I'll say it again, but that's a really, really, really funny angle because like you just have Tatanka holding the feathers mm-hmm. in like strongbow. Fat, stupid, strongbow is like <laughs> the roast. And Mor- uh, like, obese, why?
0: why? Morbidly obese strongbow that they had to probably get a forklift to get off the mat when...
2: uh horribly, horribly yeah.
0: obese. Fun, fun Wahoo fact, though. Uh, I think it was his Little League coach was George H.W. Bush. Really? So, yeah. Huh.
1: So when he worked for the CIA. <laughs>
0: yeah I mean he might have been he might have been killing someone between innings, but <laughs> anyway,
1: this match the the nice thing about these matches is that you get this progression from uh, that older style we were talking about to something more modern and it's this here in the middle make is a very nice example of the progression between the two. And we roll in the fact that these guys lay it the hell in on each other.
0: It, and it got worse as it went, because I'm pretty sure while he was like, I feel like hit me harder. I barely felt that bitch like
2: they the They they beat the piss out of each other in this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, there was just like there was just meat slapping meat at points on this. And if it was uh, high def, like there was probably blood.
1: There was sweat flying, I know that much. Um I I have met Greg Valentine Greg Valentine's hands are huge. And Wahoo just absorbing shots from Greg Valentine, it's like damn. Um okay. That's that's an impressive sight to behold.
0: So what do you what do you think, uh, Matt, what do you think uh, Wahoo's cigarette of choice was? Do you think he was a Marlboro Red guy?
2: Uh, he could have been, or he could have been like a Paul Mall, That's... unfiltered <laughs> Paul Mall.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> wow. And there was a younger Ric Flair here, too there was there was
2: uh, because that was way 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 back in the day when uh when flair was in a tag team with greg valentine before he was uh before flair obviously this is like the early stages of
0: him like getting pushed
2: yeah yeah but i mean it, it almost is a disservice at what happened maybe valentine was like just resting on his laurels, even though he, he kept working for like a long time. I think he even still like occasionally does a show. He's like, I think yeah. 70 now. Yeah. But before he like went to the WWE, like he was like motivated. He was much younger, obviously, but he was motivated. He had a lot more personality and showed it. Yeah. Uh, and he, when he got to the, the WWE, it's like, he was just like, all right, let me just, you know, cash these checks. <laughs>
0: I mean, he Uh, put, I think he put good effort in until like 88.
2: He did have that really good match. I mean, he, well, the rhythm and blue stuff with Honky Talk Man in the early 90s was kind of like abusing. But, uh, Honky really did. uh, Sorry. Uh, Valentine had that really good match with, uh, Roddy Garvin, Mm -hmm. which again, what's the motive? Like, what's the, the X factor there? He and Randy Garvin just beat the piss out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> if you let, if you, I guess the thing is you let uh, Valentine get in there and it'd be like, okay, you and your opponent, are like, look, y'all need to just beat the shit out of each other. I mean, you uh, got to you got to go. give
0: him you got to give him like ten or fifteen minutes to get warmed up too. Oh
2: yeah, I forgot.
1: You've got to. Well, that's the thing is you're out there doing that. You've got to give give enough for your adrenaline to get up that you're not going to take that shot and fold.
0: Yeah. Now this this man well and I I want to say um because he can be a little dry at times I liked Bob Coddle's commentary here because he had a little fire Bob Coddle in his um in his commentary
1: he was down for seeing Greg Valentine get hit is what he yeah. was down for
0: But like he reminded me more of Gordon Sully where his where his where he actually reacted to stuff
1: mm-hmm. like
0: and um, I thought David Crockett was pretty good in this too. I
1: think the announcers did a pretty good job with this when they kept they kept momentum in pace with what was going on in the ring. So when big stuff was happening, they kept they they increased their tempo and when things got slower they relaxed a little bit and it was a really it, it was accentuating what you were watching.
0: And Um, I appreciate, like, the old school announcers, like, for this stuff, because they also shut up sometimes, too.
1: Yeah. I have to admit, Brad, in watching this, it reminded me, because Valentine lined up dropping his elbow a few times. And I was reminded of the video you sent to us where they did the demonstration of Greg Valentine dropping an elbow through, like, concrete blocks in the ring.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And... I thought, wow, the, the kind of build they did for, you know, Valentine's elbow drop, just demonstrating this isn't even his, this is a signature maneuver of his, but it's not, you know, his, his, his finish and, you know, the way he would very purposefully lined it up. It's, I appreciated that. Um, in seeing it and I don't think he hit that elbow drop the
0: whole match no so this this is um this match is infamous though so he uh, gets the win with the figure 4 but um because this is an angle he leaves it on and he breaks wahoo's leg and I believe uh because he's a really good heel he he had a shirt made that said I broke wahoo's leg
2: yeah and uh I actually own that t-shirt uh, a replica of it, which I think got off like Redbubble. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it actually is available uh, if you search for that, because uh, obviously I broke Wahoo's leg is a very unique <laughs> phrase. Yeah. Um, if you actually search for that like online, uh, there are places out there like uh, like Redbubble that actually have replicated it. Maybe Etsy. I don't know, but you can uh, he you should can be buy selling one
0: of those. those as gimmicks at shows.
2: Yeah, I have one. I have one. It's it's, it's just like a black t shirt with white lettering, but it's it's actually pretty good. It's funny. See, so yeah,
0: this was a fun little match, I thought.
2: This was a fun match. Uh again, the the, the focus was more like the angle. Uh but I thought it was actually really hard hitting and interesting. And again, that was you know, you mentioned this, like, on la- offline, uh, but it's a good point. This and the Destroyer John Leo Jonathan mash, the quality of the the quality of the stuff is actually quite good in terms of, like, the video production. Mm-hmm. Like, it still holds up. Like, you're talking about stuff that's both, like, f- over 40 years old.
0: Well, the the Japanese stuff, I think, was shot, like, on, um, was shot like a movie. I think that's why mm-hmm. that's so good. And the, um, the 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 Valentine and Wahoo match was shot at a TV studio but I think when they had that NWA on demand they also cleaned it up and that's why mm-hmm. it looks so good but I know like especially if you go watch like um like Jim Crockett Promotions when they got on TBS there's like a real disparity if you watch the other shows and you watch World Championship Wrestling because the other shows are kind of like what you would expect and then World Championship Wrestling is shot in like a TV studio Mm-hmm. So you know the quality like goes way up.
1: It was really fascinating to see how clear it was, even though it felt to me, and maybe maybe it's just me, or maybe it's the fact that the glasses I'm wearing have certain light filters in them now. I don't know, but it felt like that there was kind of a certain cast or pall to these, so they were clear, but the there was still like a, a consistent. Color, on it something like that, um, but still very sharp.
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we're gonna go to our, our final match of the night. So this is um this is from 1985, I believe, August of 85. So they mm-hmm. were doing like um I don't remember what they called it, like the Challenge series in the summer of 85. So they would have a title match every week all summer okay. so this week's match is uh tully blanchard defending the united states title against terry taylor so for me this is like when i started going back and watching this era especially when um 24 7 was still around mm-hmm. this is like one of the first matches i saw when i started watching like the old world championship wrestlings wow and, like, this match really, like, at the time, and I was much younger, really encapsulated for me why I like Southern style better than WWF style from this era, especially.
1: How would you describe it?
0: So this would be... Well, I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of... um There's a lot of angles to it. So I think, for starters, I mean, the quality of the work, but then there's, like, the, the kind of gritty presentation, the... There's like an almost like visceral quality to it. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of smell it a bit. Like just the smell of like sweat is kind of on it. But also like the just um the storytelling, the um the commentary, just the way they like build to the end.
1: Mm-hmm. I think my
0: the fact they let it breathe
1: mhm my comparison is um, there are some movie fight scenes that drive me crazy the, 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 cuz they're just they're just terrible and then there are some that i can look at and go okay we're doing like a semi realistic stylistic thing here there there's enough like uh, the the hallway fight in the first season of daredevil is a very gritty feeling, realistic looking scrap, but it's also stylistic in that he, he, they're still kind of doing the, the, the 80 side scroller, one guy at a time thing with it. But I can enjoy, I can look at that and enjoy it. And I'm getting, it's a similar vibe here where I can look at this and go, okay, we're getting, you know, we're getting some, it's gritty, but you know, it fits with the style and that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's fun to watch, and Tully Blanchard sells his ass off. Uh, as opposed to, like, same-era WWF stuff is... It, it's it, like someone wanting to take Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon fight scenes is realistic. It's like, that not this is not going to work.
0: Well, this is what happens. This match is what happens when you have a guy that is so secure in himself that he is willing to just get his ass handed to him. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yes. This match was shockingly good. Uh, and I, I say shockingly only because, like, I wasn't prepared for it. It's like, actually, like, a really good match.
0: Like, pushing into great, like, territory good.
2: hmm like, Yeah, if, like...
0: Uh, if this main evented a show today, people would be, like, frothing at the mouth
2: for, like, a of yeah, review rematch. Yeah, if this was, like, just ended uh, a... a a random dynamite, like Meltzer would give this one like rave reviews and be like yeah. telling people to go out of their way to see it.
1: It's it's good. It's fun to watch.
0: The movie is, is one well, of those Everything's well executed. Like they're they really do a lot of good character work here because it's essentially you know Tully's the the dick face heel and Terry's like this young up and comer that's a little fiery. And, yeah. you know, Tully does, you know, is doing all his shit like like and it's it's refreshing because, you know, WWE has such like cucked baby faces like where Tully slaps him and Terry just like goes off on him. Mhm. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. where in the WWE, oh, gee, gall willikers, I don't know what to do.
1: Oh, gosh, he hit me. But Here. Terry Taylor hits Tully Blanchard with a forearm or a punch or something, and Blanchard... This is one of those cases where the old-timers would be like, you know, they'd sell big for a punch. And like Blanchard takes it and drops and rolls out for it. It's like, yes, true, but you've got to remember that it's one of those cases where it, it, it there's build behind it. You couldn't just go out and punch somebody and they stumble around and sell for three minutes Actually, off of it.
0: My favorite part was when when they were doing something, and Terry really didn't have anything else to do, so he just kind of took Tully by the hair and slammed his face into the mat. Mm hmm.
1: It's this is one of those matches that I, I watch and I go, okay, this right here is an example of why people were so high on Terry Taylor.
0: Exactly. Like I think this is probably the apex of him, like as a performer.
1: Mm hmm. And and Tully's doing a great. Tully's selling is I think what really escalates this. Tully. Without Tully selling as much he's not selling huge. He's not Shawn Michaels Hulk Hogan selling. He's selling realistically, but he is taking so
2: much he's getting foiled. from Taylor.
0: He's getting foiled at almost every turn.
2: Yeah. It's it's it honestly like really, really impressive and good performance by a guy who clearly thinks he's better than Terry Taylor and is as treating Terry Taylor like a joke until it completely backfires on him. And Terry Taylor just hands Tully his ass. through Like most of the match. And so Tully like is trying to like get one over on, on Terry. Uh, And best he can do is like, he, he, he holds on largely. Like he's not like Terry doesn't beat him outright, but Terry is almost has his, his goat like multiple times. It's really, it's an impressive performance. Like both guys actually knew the part they had to play and we're actually really really delivering on that like perfectly.
0: I would argue Baby Doll was on point for this too.
2: <laughs> she did a good 10. job.
1: <laughs> she yes. did a good job because she knew not to get involved most of the time.
0: And she knew to like she knew to act concerned.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Because that's kind of I think the interesting dichotomy is when it starts Tully's obviously not taking him seriously, but Baby Doll's like more he- hesitant about it. Yeah. Like she can she she's is. a little worried when it starts and then when things start going south, you can tell she's like freaked out.
1: Oh god, I told you so.
0: Yeah. But this is like great heel work cuz he makes he makes Terry look like just an absolute world beater.
1: Yeah. It's it is really if you want a master class in good heel selling, this is it. Because Tully knows his value, he knows what he's doing, and he is not threatened by... Sh- <laughs> for lack of a better term, he ain't threatened by showing his whole ass for this match. Um, and Taylor really benefits from it. It's what, it. If Tully did not sell the way he did, this would have been a, a middling match, but this is really a sight to see because of that
0: yeah and the the crowd is small for these but they really you can the crowd is really like into it
1: yes yes the 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 crowd also it the energy in the crowd is is great it really is like this is a fun watch
0: and it's also it's a time limit draw but it's also one of those ones where they're not dicking around for it
1: for contemporary comparison, the uh, Adam Cole MJF time limit draw match they had, it it felt similar because it was not stalling to get there. They were very actively working yeah. right up to the end.
0: And it's like the the Luger Tatanka draw where, um, as it go, well, I mean, one of them's a champion, so it's different here. But as like the last five minutes go, like. Tully becomes progressively more desperate to hold on. Yes. And Terry becomes more desperate to finish him off.
1: And they both start getting yeah. a little more sloppy
0: because Terry, Terry knows he had like, he's Terry knows he's on the cusp of winning and, he, but he's working against the clock and Tully's just praying to God. He can, he can do it. And then they, they do what I like They give the figure four spot where there's enough time to make you question Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: the um and i like that uh terry taylor is the guy he was one of the ones that did not do the the um figure four out of the spinning toe hold yeah he just he just pulls it up and sinks it and you don't see that very often
0: i think a face should do it that way honestly
1: I get why you do it that way. You've got more stuff to play with. You have more opportunities to have counters or have mess ups or have stuff like that. But it's nice to see.
0: I feel like the spinning toehold part, though, is like half showboat more than like functionality. That's why I think faces faces shouldn't do it.
1: Um, I could probably sit here and come up with a kayfabe reason for it but it's so ingrained at this point you know why
0: oh i know i know i just i'm just saying like thinking about it functionally and seeing terry taylor do it it's just one of those things where i'm kind of like eh, you know face kind of should do it that way
1: I, I like it that way myself yeah
0: yeah and again like the commentary with uh, tony and david's really on point
2: I think I, I messaged you guys like I mean when I cause I watched this one like I think the maybe. well I didn't watch it first. first like, because I watched the uh, Valentine first cause I watched it like the lengthwise I watched like them from shortest length to longest length and I watched this and as soon as I started airing uh, the video I was like oh yeah shit it's David Crockett and like I back in the day when I first heard David Crockett I'm like I thought it was a clown. It's like, ugh. But then it's hard to describe. Like, if you watch enough, like, old school uh, NWA, which eventually became, like, WCW, like, Jim Crockett promotions.
0: His childlike innocence, like, really.
2: Look at him. Look at him, Johnny! Yeah. His... Like, him being so excited about things. It, it, it basically, the only way to describe it, and I, I've mentioned him before, it's like he's basically a super fan who, mm-hmm. because his family, like, owned owned the the wrestling business right then mm-hmm. uh for that promotion at the time like they gave him like the commentating gig but it he won the over quickly because he so earnestly loves the product and like everything that's happening with the, the with the babyfaces he's like a super kayfabe babyface lover you
0: know you know who he is and like I had the same journey with him as Don West that's like an analog to him
2: that's a good. That's a good uh, analogy. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I like that. Because Don West is like, oh, this guy like would sell crap on like uh, QVC. Yeah, yeah QVC. He's but the, then he, he's the
0: hawk, the baseball cards. I think when when we were kids.
2: Yeah, but then he just he wins you over because he's like so earnestly excited about the product. I like
1: that in doing that that earnest excitement that energy really pulls you in. Excalibur has a little bit of it, not in the earnest, but in the the, the excited energy kind of pulls you in. Um, It just points out again why... My biggest
0: criticism of Excalibur, and that's a lot of modern announcers, is like, when when the match is getting really heated, like, stop saying the exact 100% proper names of moves
1: yeah get a little loose with it yeah but you know it it, that is i i see where you're coming from but it's one of those things that i'm willing to let that one go if they do everything else well but you compare the excitement that we got in this match to like the sanitized wwe announcers and if 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 you are someone who if you're Primarily a WWE fan, and that's what you enjoy. That's what you enjoy. I'm just surprised you're listening to us, but I think you would be shocked at how big the difference is. And it would be worth your time to to hunt this hunt this up and and experience the difference.
0: No, this mm-hmm. match is this match is really good. And if you're if you're thinking you want to try and get into like mid 80s JCP or just wrestling in general, I think this is a good like this is going to be the high end of what you're going to see. But I also think it's a good like acclamation to old style wrestling because it has a lot of modernism to it, but it's steeped in old school.
1: Yeah, it, it's a nice this is the more modern blend of the two. And the energy level and the pacing is such that it is more engaging for more of a contemporary fan. You know, Don't get me wrong. Having a match that has people doing athletic, acrobatic stuff is cool. But things that lean more in this direction are more my speed. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing the other stuff. But I am I am better with with this kind of storytelling happening. And I'm not saying that you have to be exactly like that. I am not. I am not uh, a crusty old vet who said, you're got to be the way it used to be because that's when it was good. It's like, look, the fans change. The world changes. The genie's out of the bottle. It ain't going back get with it. But this is a great example of high energy, plenty of movement, hard hitting, but not killing yourself to do it kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I
2: like that. I appreciate that quite a bit.
0: Oh, and we need to mention, too, uh, Terry Taylor busted out the Anderson Slam.
2: Oh, he did. I saw that and I actually I popped. They mentioned. <laughs> well, they, met,
0: they mentioned on commentary, too, because I think David's like, oh, he's using Arn's, like body slam there.
2: Yeah, it's it's the old classic like hammer lock uh into a body slam. Mm-hmm. uh move which I I I popped big for that cuz that's <laughs> I know that Arnie used to always do that.
0: I don't know why someone hasn't like ripped that off.
2: if especially like people if you like do a a a move or a signature move or f- even a finishing move that like focuses on that, I mean like MJF uses the like that Fujiwara armbar. Yeah. It's like yeah, you should like maybe do that. I know it's not as flashy of a move, I but it's like to me it looks so brutal. I suspect he
1: probably will before it gets too too much further down the road. We'll see him break it out. But I don't know.
0: Yeah, this is really good and it's it's like 20ish minutes. Yeah, it's around it about 20 minutes. It,
2: it doesn't really feel that
0: way. Well, no, because they, they they there's a commercial break, so we probably saw more like 14 minutes of it, maybe 15.
2: Okay, that's fair. there is a there is a commercial break, so it does break up the flow a little bit, but it's uh when I say that it's like there's like action throughout. It's not like they're just like, okay, now it's 10 minutes of a uh, headlock. Yeah. It's, yes, it's, yes, it yes. actually is like again, it it's pretty fast-paced and like you said it really is Tully like increasingly getting desperate because he's he thought he would put this guy over easily and he's not like at all.
0: Yeah, and it's it's really like him getting foiled at almost every every mm-hmm. turn. But yeah, this is I mean this is I think this is the best of the three we watched. But I think an interesting theme that ended up happening through all these is the character work through all the matches. Mm-hmm. Like I think yes. all of these matches had really great character work.
1: Yes, it, in a vacuum, you still get decent character stuff out of it. It, it. it would benefit from having, you know, more interviews and that kind of trapping around it, but you still get a feel for who these guys are.
0: You get, you know who the face and the heel is. You kind of get an idea of the stories. Mm-hmm. Cause even, even like Don Leo, Jonathan and destroyer, that one's a little grayer, but it's like, okay, well Don Leo, Jonathan's the heel. And obviously the way they're doing stuff is the destroyer is the established like guy in the territory
1: mm-hmm. and
0: Don Leah Jonathan's newer like they they communicate all of that stuff um, just by the way they do it
1: yeah they do a good job all right, well, uh what else were we gonna uh, hit this evening?
0: I don't know do we have anything else?
2: Matt? Uh, not really, I guess. like Timeline-wise, I don't know if any of you guys catched uh, the first episode of Collision, AEW Collision.
0: It was supposedly oh, no. good. Well, I
2: missed it. Uh, it was oh, no. supposedly good. People did give it like good reviews. Uh, they said that, which is probably the biggest thing, they said that it felt different uh, than watching AEW Dynamite. Uh, which is good because I think that the, a Saturday show is kind of hard uh, to do ratings wise. There's a lot of competition. Yeah. Uh, look, there's competition that's going to happen from the WWE, from USC, and those are like the closest rivals. But I mean, there's going to be competition, which I guess, I mean, sometimes there's competition during the week, but it's going to be competition for like actual real sports. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if they get like a decent rating uh, and there's rumors that the ratings haven't come out yet, the rumors that it may be like 800,000, which would be like pretty good. That's like for Diamond, a Saturday was...
0: night that for, for a yeah. Saturday night non sports, that would be like pretty good.
2: It'd be really good. But it's also like that's uh, that's like the first episode. There's a lot of curiosity. It's like, is it going to maintain that, which maybe it will? Well, they
0: have, to, uh, they have to. they have to they have to maintain the importance of the show. Mm-hmm. if they're gonna if they're gonna do that but if that's like the if they're if that's gonna be like the cm punk show i think they'll keep it up
2: well that's what it seems like it's gonna be yeah uh uh so it's maybe we'll see like uh i don't really like cm punk but i mean again if if AEW is using that show wisely and it's a cm punk show like if they get good ratings like that that's good. Uh, That show is also notable because uh, it featured the, uh, the, I guess, the re-debuts for various reasons why they were out, but of of Miro and Andrade.
0: Yeah, I noticed that all the malcontents were on this show. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, that's maybe not the worst use of them. Uh, I I believe
1: from what I heard, because I didn't watch it because I was never going to watch it because... I am incredibly biased on that front.
0: Honestly, like my feelings aside for Punk, um, they're at that point now with how much TV they have that I would have to pick and choose which one I'm going to watch.
1: I just... My distaste for the guy is such that I don't want to see him, so I didn't watch it. But I understood that Miro kicked the living crap out of Tony Nese, and Andrade was killing it, so...
2: Yeah, Andrade Andrade had a match with uh with Buddy Matthews uh, and won the match, I think with a variation of the figure eight where the figure eight so he won it with like his wife. (laughs) It was Charlotte Flair's wife's move, but it did seem like it's leading to uh LFO. That's not LFO, LFI Mm -hmm. uh La faccion ignorables i can never say that last word i'm right. Right. probably I think i'm pronouncing <laughs> it wrong uh but that uh group uh, they look to be like they're going to engage in a feud with the house of black uh and rush rush is uh i guess out right now for a little bit with uh because on paternity leave like he and his wife just had a baby or another mm-hmm. baby uh but I think so. The, I think like in the meantime, Andrade is going to have a couple guys, some of his friends, or like Tony Khan's going to bring a couple guys over from from Mexico to actually like maybe do a match or so with House of Black. But it it does seem like it's going to be like Rouge, Andrade, uh, I guess Preston Vance in a feud with House of Black, which it actually seems like it it probably be pretty good. Yeah, That sounds like a good matchup, because
1: you have Vance squaring up with Brody King, mm-hmm. and then the other guys. It, it, you you have, it seems like, good visual and stylistic
2: matchups. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, uh, and I don't know what they're going to do with Miro, but Miro is obviously a good hand. Mm-hmm. So I would hope they would do something with him. Oh, I. I didn't. I, I haven't seen the show. I have a DVR, so I'll watch it eventually. But I have no idea what they're gonna where they're gonna go with uh with Wardlow from here. I don't know because Wardlow lost the TNT title to Christian, which I feel is just a backdrop because like Christian, oh, sorry, he lost the, the TNT title to Luchasaurus. Lucha, yeah. Uh, and Christian was of course acting like he won the title. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this is all really a, a, a a backdrop to. To the whole Jungle Boy Christian storyline, because the aid storyline, it's like Luchasaurus had not wrestled a match in months, I think, and here he is. He, he like his first time out, he won the title.
0: And uh, they, they were, I, the, I know people are like, well, what are they gonna do with Wardlow? They that boat sailed. They kind of botched him last year.
2: They did kind of botch him. Uh,
0: I honestly think, I honestly think they should have given Powerhouse Hobbs more of a.
2: Absolutely. More of a
0: stretch with it instead of going back to Wardlow.
2: Yeah. But I also, when I say I don't know what they're going to do with Wardlow, it's also like, I think Wardlow, to a certain extent, got exposed. Like, I don't think he's a bad worker, but I think he's a limited worker.
0: Yeah, I think so, too.
2: And I think they had, like, Tony Khan slash AEW, like, kind of didn't do him favors the way they booked him, like he should be booked. He should have been booked essentially as like a uh, Goldberg type of character. And that he did have him go out there and beat guys and beat guys like quickly.
0: The problem is though, Uh, the problem is, is Goldberg was overall more talented. So when you needed him to work longer, he actually had the capabilities. If you had him with the right workers to have like good matches, Mm -hmm. like Goldberg's kind of an underrated in-ring guy truthfully
1: yeah he's uh, wardlow has some really cool spots the guy obviously his powerbomb symphony the guy throws an impressively good-looking swanton but the connective tissue for his offense feels like is lacking
0: yeah he doesn't have like he just doesn't have he's like a five-minute act trying to give you 15 minutes of content like he just doesn't have enough Uh,
1: yeah it's i don't want to i don't want to drag the guy because he has been very over and he did well with it but um
0: I mean, sometimes guys just don't have longevity to them, though, because that's kind of the thing when people were justifying them not putting the title on Braun Strowman. They're like, well, he's not going to, like, the act's going to get old. It's like, well, yes, but if he gives you six months of a run and extra money you weren't going to get before, well, who cares? Like, that's money you didn't have before, and you can just go back to your original plans. Yeah. Like, just because... Just because a guy like maybe had a limited shelf life doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It's kind of what I'm saying. And I mean, hey, at least you tried. At least he got like, yeah. like. And I mean, they they didn't do him favors. I think I think if they had done some some different things with him, he would have. I he think was. I think he still would have had a shelf life, but I think I think they could have. I think he was so
1: good. He was so good as the heavy for MJF, and he Mm -hmm. was so good as the backup that – I mean he got so over there like, well, we're going to go with this. We need to go with it, and I don't blame them, but beyond that initial switch, it just wasn't hanging on. Honestly, I think Wardlow could benefit a lot from segueing into being a tag guy. Because there you, you can have him be that heavy again, be that big presence, take that hot tag, you know, do big, cool spots on the House of Fire thing. But he doesn't have to string the entire thing together himself. I, I think that, he, and there is no shame in this, but I think that he could
2: probably have a good career as a tag guy going forward. Maybe. I saw someone, like, actually propose Orlo and Hobbs as a tag team, and I, I I mean, I do think they should be doing something with Hobbs, Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you were to have those two as a tag team, but you actually push them almost like a Steiner-esque, like, let them just run over people, uh, that could work. Because they're both, like, decent-sized guys. Mm Mm-hmm but i don't know i don't know if i don't know if the plan is like they're going to they're going to try to re-sign Wardlow or not i would not do Wardlow that way i would put
1: Wardlow in a tag team with someone who has a different complementary style as opposed to having a similar style to his and then that way you have this nice visual contrast And when Wardlow gets the tag to come in, the other guy's been like, you know, doing doing the flying stuff and doing the hit and run and doing the fast stuff. And then you get the tag and Wardlow brings the hurt. Uh, Mm. I, I think that would be a better dynamic. But, you know, TK ain't calling me about it, so. Well, I believe... That will about wrap us on this episode, unless there was anything else you guys wanted to hit on. Uh, I think that's it. A- okay, well then, in which case, everybody, um, thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, you know, it, we got to we got to dig into some some very different stuff. We got to kind of examine some some history, some way back, and then segue into the future, and so. If that was – if you liked these, if you want – these were all on YouTube to look up. Um, If you liked it, we'd love to hear from you on social media. So if you want to hear more uh, of this kind of comparison, let us know. Um, If you got requests, throw them our way too. We'd love to hear from you. And so this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.